We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I have uh, a staggering truth to reveal to you all. Uh, And that is, I have an addiction, a powerful addiction, a gripping addiction. One uh, that makes me, compels me, forces me. I am powerless in its grip to buy new microphones whenever they come out. So the good news is, is I am buying uh, crappy microphones. Which means this addiction is not going to be uh, bankrupting in any way. But, um, so look, here's the deal. Um, Monoprice. Monoprice.com. Uh, if, you, if you are not buying all of your cables and accessories at Monoprice.com, God help you. God help you all. For, um, yes, Monoprice is... Fantastic. Um, they, I look. I don't want to do too much of a commercial for them, as uh, Judge John Hodgman would say. I don't want to buzz market Monoprice too much, but um, yeah, I, they've got a staff of people who actually reviews the stuff they sell, and they put videos up, and they, you know, if you want to see, you know, what a camera looks like that they sell, they sell one of those GoPro imitation cameras. You can watch a video that they shot with it so you know what you're getting. It's a fantastic website. Uh, HDMI cables for, you know, a couple of bucks as opposed to, you know, 10, 15, 20 dollars that you're gonna pay at Best Buy buying a monster cable. Ugh, don't get me started on monster cable. But anyway, they came out with a large diaphragm microphone. Oh, by the way, before I get too into that, uh, what we're listening to is Julia Hay, Dance of the Broken Hearts, probably the first recording I ever did of anybody other than me. Um, I saw her at, I want to say it was the Owl and Monkey Cafe, and she was just a lady probably in her 40s. I was in my 20s at the time, so, you know, my judge of age is a little off, but... Anyway, um, so she was there, she was doing a thing, and uh, she played, I don't know if she played this song, she might have, um, I, I know I've heard her since play this song, and it was fantastic, and she played a couple others, and I was like, hey, do you want to come back to my room? You know, in hindsight, this sounds absolutely bonkers, that a woman in her 40s was like, hey man, in your 20s, I will totally go to your bedroom that you rent with like four other dudes and record this song or anything. I'll just, I'll be, I'll just, just even showing up is absolutely insane. I'm gonna get a drink. This song is so tremendous too because it is literally one woman one guitar and what she does with it is fantastic but anyway so she's doing all this stuff and um and lyrically it's so strong 
but I, I, I know, I, I think I've played some of Julia Hay before, but uh, I was talking about sad jams at work, because I got this coworker who loves himself some sad jams, and I... Uh, I this this is the ultimate sad jam, right? It's Dance of the Broken Hearts. Uh, you know, boy. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't get any sadder than the idea of just have you know of how easy it is to get a broken heart. But anyway, all right, enough about that. I'm not, not, no, I'm not trying to bum you out. But anyway, so uh, Mono Price uh, recently released. Um, their pro audio series and, and my microphone addiction is so bad I not only bought not one not two but three microphones from them in their pro audio series um, the good news is is this is the only large diaphragm microphone I also bought a um, what do they call matched pair of small diaphragm um, speakers uh, speakers? What is that? Uh, no, no, not speakers. Uh, microphones. And um, I'm not going to bore you with all of that, but but just know that I'm not going to be swapping out microphones throughout this. We're just going to do this with, you know, the, this one large diaphragm microphone. And by the end of it, I can guarantee you, you will say, it doesn't really sound any different than the uh, Shure microphone he was yelling about, you know, like four podcasts ago. And that's my point, right? Like this, for spoken word stuff, this is a $76, I want to say, microphone. It is uh, analog only, so if you want to uh, put it in your computer, you'll still need a digital audio converter. But uh, for a microphone... I, I really like it, and it looks cool. Uh, I, I, I think they did a great job on the styling and the design, so if you want a cool-looking microphone, monoprice.com, and get all your cables there. Yeah, just do it. So this is the Penguin Cafe Orchestra. Uh, I might have played this before, uh, but this is a song that they play a lot on um, uh, This American Life. And so I just wanted to throw it in there as just be like, hey, yeah, this is where, you know, you'll hear it a lot where it goes, booty, booty, boop, you know, and uh, you'll hear that a lot as they, as they transition to do stories on, on This American Life. So, this week's episode, um, I, <laughs> I uh, have been watching a lot of movies uh, lately on BART. You know, it's funny the way I watch movies because, um, I don't watch them all at once. I watch them as I as I commute home on the train, uh, and I on Bart. For those of you who are are knowledgeable of San Francisco mass transit, I, I trans I, I come home on Bart, and I watch them. It takes me uh, anywhere between twenty eight and thirty two minutes to come home on Bart. So. Uh, What's interesting is is that I watch movies essentially 28 minutes at a time. And you know, my whole sense of like what's a long movie, what's a short movie is completely gone. So, um so so I've been watching a couple of movies. I've been watching a lot of movies. Uh but the most recent ones are Looper and Moonstruck. Now, uh Looper um I I watched because everybody told me how great it was. Moonstruck, um, a friend of mine uh, said, well, so I love, as you know, I love the movie Joe versus the Volcano. And uh, the same guy who wrote Joe versus the Volcano wrote Moonstruck. 
And so I was like, well, she liked it. She said it was great. I love that writer. Let's go watch it. And boy, both of them sucked. Sucked hard. So, and you know, I like this. This is a nice, this is a nice jam, right? Like just, hey man, we're just mellowing out. We're having a little chamomile. We're listening to some Penguin Cafe Orchestra. That's how we roll. Uh, okay, so um, uh, let's let's break these movies down. Now, um, first of all, uh, I will not be spoiling anything in Looper on the off chance you want to see it. But, of course, as I always say, you can't spoil a bad movie, and Looper is a bad movie. Uh, so let's let's start with Looper. Looper being the more recent uh, movie. So for those of you who are listening to this in the future, um, Looper is uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, and uh, Bruce Willis, and it's a time travel movie. Oh my goodness, uh, David Lee Roth uh, and his solo album Skyscraper. My goodness, uh, if you like. David Lee Roth at all. Uh, do yourself a favor. Get yourself Skyscraper. Maybe one of the most underrated solo albums of all time. And this is a real tour de force of um, uh, not Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, shoot. I'll remember his name. He's that really awesome guitar player. Anyway, uh, yeah, Good Times is the name of the song. So anyway, so um, yeah, Looper. Okay, so you, you know, as I have been yelling about movies, um, all I want is for you to set up your world and be true to that world and support it. And, you know, I'll, I'll buy anything that you want to sell me as long as it's true to that world. Well, <laughs> guess what, Looper? You're going to have to try a little harder because... You know, okay, so, oh boy, here we go. Let me see if I can explain this movie to you. All right, so, first of all, here, here's what we have to oh, be clear about. The, 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 the movie takes place in two times, right? Joseph Gordon-Levitt's time and Bruce Willis's time. And um, they're both in the future to our time. So let's just be clear and just say like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is going to be the present. All right, let's, let's just do that. And then uh, Bruce Willis can be the future. Okay, so in the future, um, they say, the first thing that they say is in the future, bodies are impossible to dispose of. Okay, they don't tell you why. I'm assuming there's recycling. Green green has gotten out of control. Political correctness is off the charts. Okay, you know, it's like, hey, is that body decomposable? Yes, it's a body, of course it's decomposable. Well, he's wearing plastic. He's got a plastic jacket. You know, I don't think that's biodegradable. Well, okay, I can take the jacket off. Can I just dump the body here? Well, all right, you take the jacket off. I suppose you, but, you know, I don't know. This is my break. I'm on break. I can't answer your question no more. I'm on break. I have no idea what that accent was. Anyway, so, um, okay, fine. You don't want to tell me why uh, bodies are impossible to dispense of? 
right, that's fine. Nah, I'm with you. I'll buy into that. Except for the fact that um, we see later on in the movie that people uh, can be shot in the future. So, okay. So the what they the way they dispense of bodies in the future is uh, they <laughs> they take a person, they put them in a straitjacket, they put a bag over their head, struggling the entire time. It's not like these people are knocked out. Like these people are fighting, and they stuff them in a time machine, blast them back to the past, in which uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is standing there with a shotgun or as a blunderbuss, as they call them, uh, even though a, you know, a blunderbuss is a sort of, uh, I don't know, what, 16th uh, century shotgun. Um, either they have the, you know, you know what they are. They're the ones with the big flared ends, you know, they look like funnels. And that's because um, whenever you had to fire them, you had to pack them yourself. And so you had to pour the shot in. And so, you know, why would you pour shot into like two tiny little nozzles? No, you want it in the big funnel and just dump that shit in there. So, <laughs> so anyway, so Joseph Gordon-Levitt has this blunderbuss and he's standing there. He's, he's got a, 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 a bed sheet down on the ground. The body shows up. He shoots it with the blunderbuss. Person is dead. They, oh, oh my God. Not only do they have a straight jacket on they have a straight jacket on full of silver that he then rips open the back collects all the silver out of and then um, that's you know his payment boy this is way too complicated these people who do this assassination are called loopers and the reason why they're called loopers is because at some point during their employment, they have to kill themselves. Okay, don't know why that has to be. Why can't, I mean, okay, A, why do these people have to die at all? What, so you close the loop on ratting them out to the police? Well, guess what, in both timelines, the mob controls the police. So that's not an issue. Um, and, and why do you have to kill you? Why can't somebody else kill you? Why can't, you know, why can't I just, because there's lots of loopers. Why, and, and you know what you look like, or you think you know what you look like in the future. Why, why do I have to kill me? Why can't somebody else kill me? Anyway. Ooh, a little cop shoot cop. This was back in my Atlantic Records internship days. I got this song for, or I got this album for free, and I always like this song. So here it is, cop shoot cop, $10 bill. Okay, so now <laughs> I have to kill me, and then I get, and then I get a huge, I get a big payday. Now I get paid in gold. I don't get paid in silver, I get paid in gold. Now, here's the other thing is, is these people don't seem like they're living great lives. Oh yeah, 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 that's the other thing, is Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he's like, it, he's doing this whole expositional explanation in voiceover, and he says, uh, yeah, so at some point you gotta kill, you, you know, they send you back to you and you gotta kill you, 
and uh, that's why we're called loopers. And his entire explanation as to why anyone, anyone would take this job is, yeah, those loopers, yeah, they're not long-term planners. Okay, now, hold on a second here, uh, Joseph. You are a looper. You are calling yourself not a good long-term planner. You know, there's, I mean, we see that there's poverty on the streets, but it's not like they said, like, hey, man, you know, uh, abject poverty, you know, at least we're not that, you know, these people are fighting on the streets. Like, there's none of that. It's just like, oh, I guess we're just short-sighted. I guess we're just dummies. Da, da, da. I feel like I feel like I almost broke into the uh, uh, Christian Bale um, uh, Terminator rant. Oh, good for you! Boy, I mean, and then and then why kill? Again, let's get back to this other topic of why kill the assassins. All right, so first of all, uh, I'm sorry, let's back up even farther. They can clearly kill people in the future. Kill them, stuff them in the, in the time machine, send them back. Because, you know, the other crazy thing is Joseph Gordon-Levitt doesn't even dispose of the bodies. He just kills them. And then he just he shoots this dude in the chest and then walks away. And then somebody else comes and, like, gets him and, like, cleans up his shit. And then, and you know, so, okay. But why kill them at all, right? Because, you know, it's not like they're going to rat them out at any point. And in fact, one of the nice things that we actually see is Joseph Gordon-Levitt getting older and then becoming Bruce Willis. And then Bruce Willis, you know, has a shitty wig and then he starts to lose his hair. And, and, and we see the progression of Bruce Willis getting older and he's doing crazy mob shit. Right? Crazy mob shit. And, it, and if, you, if you had a valuable asset like that, why would you kill him? Okay. Alright. We're done with this movie. So let's fix this movie. Right? So I, one of the podcasts I really love is uh, How Did This Get Made? And um, they are always looking for segment ideas. And they have a, a bit on their forum about, hey, recommend a new segment for our show. So... I said five minute movie makeover. Let's, you know, because what I feel like is most studios, ooh, Dispatch, the band Dispatch, the song The General. Boy, this song has such a powerful hook. I, I just, I challenge you. You can actually, I think you can download this song at uh, UGTV.org in the music section. I know we featured it at one point. Um, I'm not sure it's available for download. I, I'll, hopefully I'll fix that before this uh, episode goes live. But anyway, so let's do five minute movie makeover. All right, like what if, if a studio exec and a movie maker sat down for five minutes and really thought this movie out, I bet you we could have helped it a lot. So let's ditch the idea that you have to kill yourself, right? So, um, but let's say for instance that somebody in the future decided to kill all the loopers. 
and let's just say by accident, Joseph Gordon-Levitt had to kill his future self. And let's just say that the bag wasn't on the head, right? Like, let's just say, you know, they just came in, they popped in, blammo, dead. Or, or, or maybe, oh, maybe, ooh, even better. Let's just say he was on the cleaning crew. Maybe, maybe they always come through dead and he just cleans them up. And then this live person comes in and he realizes it's him. And then the two of them have to figure out what happened. Yeah, that's a much better movie. Hey, internet. You're welcome. But the man stood fast oh, wait, let's do that again. You're welcome. That's right, I'm having a little bit of wine this evening. <laughs> and by a little bit, I mean a lot. One by one, they stepped back and not a word was said. And the old general was left with his own words echoing in his head. He then prepared to fight. All right, here comes the chorus. Oh, come on. How can, how can this band not have been more popular? Jiminy Christmas. Anyway, oh, and you can get this song on Pandora. So if you want to um, search for Dispatch and The General, uh, I know it, it popped up on my Pandora the other day. Okay, so enough Looper. God damn. I, I will say the ending of Looper is really good um but it doesn't make up for how shitty the rest of that movie is oh and you get to see piper paraboo naked good lord uh so so don't don't see looper okay so Moonstruck. Oh, gosh. I just realized the husband of the person who recommended this movie listens to this podcast. So. Go now, you are forgiven. Go now, you are forgiven. Go now, you are forgiven. Go. Oh, go now, you are forgiven. Go now, you are forgiven. Go now, you got to be 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 all right, so but that's not gonna slow me down, because um, this is another movie that totally defies logic. Now, if you watch Joe versus the Volcano, you know the very first uh, line of the movie is "Once upon a time there was a man named Joe," and that really sets it up for it being a fairy tale. Oh, Katie Lang. Ah, oh, this was uh, this was uh, off of an album. I think it was uh, called Ingenue. Oh, this this is one of in my collection a perfect album, beginning to end. Not a dud song in the bunch. And I'm not a Katie Langer. Um, you know, she did a lot of country stuff that I don't I don't care about. Oh, I love this glass. I don't. I I just love doing that. It's so great. Um, yeah, not a dud in the bunch, and I, I really didn't know her. Um, she got, oh, yeah, ironically speaking, though, uh, she got 
the Grammy for Best New Artist uh, because of this album. So good. Anyway, so uh, Moonstruck. Um, <laughs> Moonstruck was 1987. I looked this up just now, uh, and Joe versus the Volcano was 1990. So it, you know, it really feels like the same movie, but better. You know, like Joe versus the Volcano. It looks like it's. You know, it's what he, you know, it, you know, like, like Moonstruck was a first draft, and then Joe versus the Volcano was a much more flushed out version of that. You know, and it, and and um, Moonstruck, I think, would have been helped quite a bit if it could have figured out its tone, because there are parts of it that are ridiculous. So silly, so over the top. So Nicolas Cage is in this movie and he plays a bread maker who lost his hand and he's got this horrible wooden prosthetic hand. Like, like it's not even pretending to be flesh. It's obviously wood. And he like scratches his face with it. And yet like everything Nicolas Cage does is sort of played in a goofy way and yet everything Cher does oh yeah Cher is the other lead in this movie is not so it's this weird tonal fight that they do um you know I always say uh, always every single time uh the first rule of acting is make a choice the second rule of acting is make a good choice and the third rule of acting is make sure you're all making the same choice. Because I've worked on acting productions where, you know, one like the there was no essentially no director. So one person was like, I'm going to make this goofy. And the other person was like, I'm going to play this serious. And then you're constantly battling each other stylistically and it never, never works out. Um... Yeah, so if I'm ever on Inside the Actor Studio, I'm totally going to shove that up James Lipton's ass in a big, bad way. Uh, I'm not even sure what this song is. What is this thing? Anyway, um, so, all right, a little bit about Moonstruck. So Cher plays a 35-year-old woman who has a lot of gray hair. Another bride, another groom. Well, all right then. Uh, this was supposed to be um, Leon Redbone. This is now Dr. John. That's fine. That's cool. Dr. John it is. Let's Dr. John it up, yo. Uh, so Cher plays a 35-year-old with lots of gray hair. She does. She's an accountant for all her family and family of friends' uh, businesses. She. This is. I don't think she makes any money. Uh, she lives at home, she's 35. She was married once, her husband died immediately after. Uh, she gets proposed to the night her fiance, well, once she proposes, the night her fiance is going to fly to her, his, I'm sorry, his mother's deathbed. Uh, and she insists that they get married a month from now. 
Now, the weird part about this movie is there's a ton of crap that never gets followed up on, right? Like, there's an old woman at the airport when she takes her fiancé there that puts a hex on the plane, and um, Cher, you know, is like, oh, I've always been followed by bad luck. And literally the rest of the movie... There is no bad luck. She's fine. You know, um, she winds up falling in love with Nicolas Cage. Don't really think that's bad luck. Um, There's this whole thing with the moon where the moon comes out and it's like 20 times larger than any other moon you've ever seen. And then like uh, there's that fat Italian. Oh my God. Everybody Cher knows in this movie is Italian. Like apparently in this filmic version of New York, everyone's Italian. There's no non-Italian people in this movie. Uh, and uh, except for Nicolas Cage, who is supposed to be Italian and is not. Um, God damn, this movie makes no, no sense. Um, yeah, so, and then, so, okay, so, so Nicolas Cage is the brother of her fiance. So she, so the brother, I'm sorry, so the fiance, right before he gets on his plane flight says, Hey, yeah, let's pretend he talks like that. It's not anywhere near what he sounds like, but let's just, hey. I'm not sure what Cher's name is. Let's go with Georgina. Hey, Georgina. Hey, what's the matter for you? I need my brother to be at my wedding. He is a phone number. Uh, the accent I am doing now, meh, not any better or worse than what they do in the movie. Georgina, my brother, he needs to be at my wedding. Take this number and go talk to him. He must be there. And so she goes, she talks to Nicolas Cage, and Nicolas Cage it does this whole rant about how... Um, <laughs> all right, forget that. I, I can't even explain why he lost his hand or all the monkey business that went into that. It's so dumb. It doesn't even matter. Um, one of my favorite parts of this movie, though, is oh, the Melvins. 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 Jesus. I, so the Melvins were from the um, Seattle area. They were actually friends with uh, Kurt Cobain. And um, Dale Krober, the drummer, uh, was playing in both the Melvins and Nirvana in for a while. And then at some point he had to make a decision and he chose the Melvins. Yeah, bad choice. But, you know, in hindsight, It makes sense for Dale. By the way, Dale is a weirdo. Um, I I was actually at, I I was an intern at this recording studio when they recorded this album, uh, Houdini, and uh, at at Brilliant Studios in in San Francisco, California. Dale is the quietest guy you would ever meet. Um, He's just so shy and, and, reserved and yet listen to him listen to this playing i'm gonna shut up for a second you can listen to the playing i mean it's hard it's strong 
Uh, and yet, you know, from such a quiet, neat guy, it's so weird uh, that he could do this. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, yeah, Dale. Oh, yeah, anyway, in Dale's defense, he picked the Melvins because the Melvins were actually doing much better. Um, if you want to go back and listen to Nirvana's Bleach, um, you know, that album was not very commercially approachable, you know. Uh, it wasn't like, you know, Smells Like Teen Spirit. It was like this. Uh, and so, you know, he made the choice and he went with it. Um, but of course, obviously, he, you know, uh, uh, Dave, uh, Dave Grohl is sitting on millions of dollars where, you know, Dale is not. But anyway, so my favorite part of the movie is, uh, you know, and, and it's not really my favorite, but, it's, but it, it, it just dates this movie and solidifies it in its time frame. So uh, through the entire movie, Cher's got the, like this perm and um, she goes to get a makeover because... Uh, uh, Nicolas Cage is obsessed with opera. Actually, he's not, though. That's that's another problem with this movie, is that, you know, he, he, we see... Um, we see a mo oh, an opera poster on his wall, and then he says it a couple of times, but it's not like he's really obsessed with it. It's just sort of like, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and then it just sort of pops out of nowhere. He's like, oh, I got it. Hey, I gotta take you to the theater. Oh, here's Frente. So I just grabbed a, a Frente song off of their uh, Atlantic Records. Again, when I was an intern at Atlantic Records, um, I thought Frente was was great. They, of course, did uh, Bizarre Love Triangle, the, the cover of that that, that made them uh, a big hit. Anyway, so... Uh, so Cher goes through this big makeover. She gets the gray, you know, colored, and it's, so it's dark and they're her regular hair color. But uh, she's in it, and, you know, she's, she's going through the whole makeover montage, as she will, uh, and, you know, they straighten her hair out, and I'm like, oh, this will be great. This will be a great juxtaposition between, you know, permed Cher and straight-haired hair, you know, because uh, we all remember. I think that's the vision of Cher that we... Remember is uh, her on the Sonny and Cher show where it was just like straight part of the middle Marsha Brady style and uh, You know uh, that that's what we remember and so I was thinking oh great This is what we're gonna do and so she you know They're shampooing her hair and it's all straight and all this stuff and then she shows up Kid you not twice the size of the previous hair. It's ginormous and there's an, an, an a ridiculous scene Again, played for nothing, uh, where uh, they're both at the Met. By the way, the Met looks exactly the same now as it does in 1987, uh, in 2012. Uh, so, so they do this dumb scene where they can't find each other, and the scene goes on for about 30 seconds, and means nothing, right? Like, there's no plot device that happens because they have trouble finding each other. It's just this prolonged monkey business. 
Hey, we're talking a monkey business. Oh, fuck it. Let's just do the rest of this in, in that shitty Italian accent uh, of Moonstruck. Oh, God, there's no way I can do this the entire time. But all right, let's try it. Hey, so, um, the two of them, they are in, you know, right in front of the mat. No, anyway, that's, uh, that's, that's, I, I'm not, I, I gotta Mario it up a bit. Um, hey, what's the fun matter for you, right? The, the Nicholas Cage, uh, you know, he's uh, looking for, uh, the, the, what's her name? The Cher, and she is like, hey, uh, I cannot find him. And he's like, hey, meanwhile, uh, they are both, <laughs> The only people under the age of 75 within a two mile, how do you say, a radio also. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I can't do that. That's ridiculous. Yes, they're the youngest people by a huge margin. And she's got... She's got Stewie head, you know, like Stewie from the family guy. She's got this enormous football head and like he's like staring at the back of her, but he can't see the front of her. So he's like, da, 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 da. there it is again. I don't know. Hey, I don't know. Who is this lady with the big football head? It's like another place. It's like. And then, and then, you know, 30 seconds goes by and they're like, oh, hey, it's you. No, right, you want to go in? Nah. Nah. How <laughs> oh, this movie, this movie makes me so angry. Okay, so. Oh, this is Cub. Cub. So, um, uh, this is the song. New York City uh, was later covered by They Might Be Giants. Um, I, uh, love the heck out of this song. Actually, I, I hate to say it, but the They Might Be Giants version is better. Uh, yeah, it's significantly better. But, you know, uh, this was a, this was, this is a great, you know, story of They Might Be Giants heard Cub play this song, and they were like, hey, we need to cover that, and we need to make this band our opening act. And so they toured around the country with uh, Cub as the opening act. So I, I really respect those guys for doing that because, um, you know, it's it's one thing to like just say like, oh yeah, we should cover that song, but it's another to be like, hey, these kids are great, and we should support them. So, uh, other than that, other than these two crappy movies that I've watched. Oh, okay, so, alright, we, we should leave you with some recommendations. Um, okay, oh, okay, so, I've been watching Young Justice, which is basically the teenage version of the Justice League, and you know how much I love the Justice League, so, you know, we don't need to go into that. Uh, I have been watching, I'm not done with it, uh, but I, I, I figure it's, you know, not gonna be any big surprise, uh, is, um... Uh, the Suicide Kings and um, uh, so that's Jay Moore as you know I listen to Jay Moore's podcast and it's uh, Jay Moore Christopher Walken and uh, the guy who plays Billy from Six Feet Under and uh, some oh, oh and, and, and David Galecki uh, is in it as well um, it's it's if you like 
thriller suspense movies uh, well, do yourself a favor watch um, watch watch that uh, watch suicide kings I really really enjoy it ah Richard March so breathing now I'm seeing love again so this is again from the old Lawton House uh, where I recorded Julia Hay uh, recordings. Uh, Richard, you know, it, it, go back a couple of podcasts. You can listen to me talk about Richard. Um, Richard decided at the tender age of, I, I don't know how old Richard is, 44, 45, something like that. He's older than me. Decided to join the Peace Corps. Yeah. I mean, I, I really feel like the Peace Corps is a young man's game, but Richard decided, fuck it, you know, I'm divorced, this music thing ain't working out. And sooner or later you fall apart, find your one step closer to whole. And so he said, I'm just gonna join the Peace Corps. And uh, he's got his farewell concert at Glen Park Station coming up uh, next weekend. And uh, I'm sure, I'm not sure of anything at this point, but I I know it's going to be sad just because, it's just because he... I, I just think the world of Richard and I think he's super talented and yet you know it never worked out and 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 I don't know what he's looking for I don't know what can make him happy I honestly I don't know what can make me happy uh, I mean, doing this podcast is great, but, uh, you know, it's a long-term strategy. I don't know where it's going, but um, I hope he can figure something out in whatever godforsaken country they stick him in. Oh, God, Richard, I hope you can figure it out. Ugh. So... You know, it was funny. The other day, I, I went down to San Jose and I saw a friend's band play, and I, I spoke to a friend of mine from high school, and we were both sort of going through the same thing of like. Pathway through this tunnel, no one makes it through this one alone. And he was just like, I, I don't feel like the cool guy I feel like somebody's dad and you know this was the guy who had all the long hair and just you know seemed you know like the ultimate rock and roller and now he's a you know married dad of two girls and I totally it was funny because I just unloaded all my problems on him and he was like yeah I got that and I got two kids (laughs) it was like oh yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Oh gosh, I'm so sorry, everybody. Like all these podcasts, like start out so hopeful, and then by the end of it, it's just me, like crying in my beer. It's like, oh god. 
Well, oh, come on. I got to I gotta do something hopeful. All right, all right, all right. I tell you what. I'm going to post on Thankful Project right after we get off of this. So uh, go start your other think Thankful Projects. Go, go be better. Go be happy. It's not this bad, but this podcast is my own sort of therapy. And thank you for indulging me. So, from me, from the music of Bright Brown, for brighter days upon the horizon, let's do this one more time. Till then! Hey.